Well, good morning. How you guys doing this morning? Sorry, I raided the nursery and had to get some primo snacks. So. Cheerios. <clears throat> all right. It's good to see you guys all here this morning. So I do have to ask you guys again, though, because normally I'm over with the kids, and when I ask how they're doing, I then have to tell them to stop talking so I can start talking again. So how are you guys doing this morning? Good, much better. All right, so I'm, I'm very uh, just glad to be here with you guys today. Uh, Pastor Terry asked me, since he's doing a talk on vision for the past couple of weeks, if I would come up and share some of my vision being the children's pastor. So what God's laid on my heart for children's ministry. Uh, before I get going, though, um, turn your Bibles to Matthew 18. We're going to be reading from there. Um, not yet, but you can go ahead and get ready. And I thought I'd share with you guys a little bit about, about me. I know, um, I know a lot of you, but... I don't know a lot of you as well. It's been actually about three and a half years since the last time, aside from the Mexico missions uh, talk that I facilitated, about three and a half years since the last time I got to get up and, and speak and, and preach and stuff. So it's been, a, I'm very happy to be back up here. I've been at Creekside longer than Pastor Terry. True story. He's been here 26 years. I was born here, so been here longer than him, but um. Um, I've, I've been a part of Creekside my entire life. My grandpa was actually the pastor before Pastor Terry um, here. And my dad, when Pastor Terry came, served as the youth pastor for a while. And so now I get to work with Pastor Terry as the children's pastor. I was here for uh, a little over six years. And then uh, logistically, um, I had to step down and I worked with my dad in, in, uh, in his construction business. I never left Creekside. I was still here doing kid stuff. But then I was talking with Terry and logistically, again, things worked back to bring me back on staff. So I've been back on staff after about a year and a half off for four months now, and I'm so glad to be back. I absolutely love children's ministry here. <clears throat> um, I love to have fun with kids. Uh, people that see me, they know that uh, very quickly, it, it, they see me in the room, they're like, man, this kid, this guy loves kids. Now, I love just to be a goofball in front of a bunch of kids. My wife tells me all the time that it's because I am a big kid. And I hope I never grow up, honestly, if that's, if that's how it is. I absolutely love it. I can still remember my uh, first job as a children's pastor at another church. So a little more, more history on me. I grew up here. I volunteered here. And then I, I was interning here. But when time came for me to get a job, there was no job opening here. Pastor Steve, uh, who is the ch pastor of the church in Bay Point, Open Bible Church there, he was the children's pastor here. He was my youth pastor for a while, and then he stepped into children's ministry, and he was still here when I needed a job, so I didn't get the job because I couldn't get him out fast enough. But eventually, he went to pastor the church in Bay Point, and then I was in Alamo, and God's timing is great because when the job in Alamo, it was time for me to move on from there, the job was opening up here because Steve had left and Monique had stepped in and she was doing children's ministry here and then she wanted to do more admin. So in the same conversation I had with Pastor Terry, I was like, hey, pray for me, I'm going to be looking for another position. That same week, Monique had told him, hey, I don't think I want to do kids, I really want to step into admin. And so Terry was like, hey, why don't we go have lunch together and talk about this? And then here I am at Creekside. So it was, it was a fun story of how God works timing. It's so my Creekside Church in Alamo was a church I worked at, not affiliated in any way, just also Creekside, so I can say I've worked at Creekside my entire life. <clears throat> but in all my times as a children's pastor, years there, years here, coming up on ten and a half years or so being a children's pastor, um, I've learned and I've taught and I've experienced that kids may be little, but kids are a big deal. Kids are huge. And when I started uh, volunteering, I don't think I quite understood how big of a deal it was until I really started diving into it. And Steve started to pour, Pastor Steve started to pour into me um, his vision for kids and how much he had a heart for seeing kids raised. And that totally bled down into me and my personality type loving kids anyways. It just, it was easy for me to see that when I was interning with youth and then interning with kids, it was really easy for me to decide down the road. I was like, you know what? I gotta be, I gotta work with kids. I have to do this. God has put children's ministry on my heart. <clears throat> you know, teenagers have drama. I won't go to their drama. Kids' drama is, you know, he took my toy, I want it back. I can deal with that drama. <laughs> Absolutely. That is, that is easy drama. But, but it's fun stuff. Kids are a big deal. Now, how many of you guys, uh, well, for me, so since I love working with kids, on a Sunday morning, we, we're here for three services. I will teach the kids for three services, and then I will go home just juiced, like a spiritual high. I will be bouncing off the walls. I have so much fun in there. And sometimes people, they, they come in, they're like, you know, I, did, they, I have a great team with the kids. But after church on Sunday, they want time to relax. You know, it's time, you know, we did things with the kids. We had fun. Now I just need to go rest. I'm the opposite. It drives my wife crazy. 
you know, she's like, Sunday, you know, it's good nap time after church. And I'm like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Because I'm just, I'm bouncing off the walls. Same thing at Sea Games. How many of you guys in here have ever experienced Sea Games here at Creekside? A handful of you. Sea Games, just, uh, I'll talk more about it later. But Sea Games is a night here at Creekside where we can have anywhere between two and 300 kids on campus. It is awesome. We have bounce houses. There's basketballs flying through the air. We have a craft room, movies, video games, a snack shack. The snack shack is... Don't walk into the snack shack if you're not working in the snack shack because they are a well-oiled machine running to get kids, you know, the, the, the corn dogs or the waters, the sodas, the candy. It's, it is a chaotic, fun night. But at the end of the it's three hours. So at the end of the night, my team is justifiably spent. <laughs> they're, they're done. You know, they just spend the night with 300 kids. They're, they're tired. I actually have some people that say they're never doing Sea Games again, but I know they're lying. They'll be back. <laughs> but Sea Games, it's great. But, and I'm the opposite in the sense of that where I will leave Sea Games, and yes, I'm, I'm physically tired, but I go home, and my mind is just racing, and my emotions are up, and my wife, it's like 11 o'clock, she's like, let's go to bed. I'm like, I can't. I, I'm too excited for the night we just had. We had such a fun night. So being around kids in that environment gets me, it just, it gets me going, gets me very, very happy, and so that's another reason. It's like, it's really easy for me to say that I want to be, I, I love being a children's pastor. I love what I get to do. How many of you guys have had sleepovers at your house? You've had kids, and you've had They've had friends come over. I heard a grunt just now. Yeah. <laughs> Sleepovers. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes being around kids drains you. Now, we haven't had sleepovers with Aurora's friends yet. My, uh, my daughter, Aurora, is going to be six next month. But we haven't had sleepovers yet with, with any of her friends. But, but I know that I'm going to be that dad that's sitting there playing all the games with the kids. And just, just I, I, I love it. I have so much fun. And um, I know some people are the exact opposite. When those kids go home, they're like, next time you're going to their house. You are not coming here. We're done. Never doing that again. But I leave here, and I leave events with kids totally full and happy. And I understand how big of a deal it is to have those kind of events and things here on campus with the kids. Now, not everybody sees it that way, though. Children's ministry is not always seen as a really big deal. Some can see it as uh, free child care. I hate that word. Child care. I also hate it when I'm told, Dustin, can you find child care? And I'll find a ministry event, but I hate finding child care. Because what we do here on campus is so much more than childcare. It's so much deeper than just, I'm going to watch your kid for an hour and a half while you go into to big church, we call it in children's ministry. This is big church. While you go into big church, we'll watch your kids for an hour and a half. Yeah, we'll watch them, but we're going to do some fun, meaningful things with these kids. It goes way beyond childcare. Even from the nursery, it goes way beyond childcare. The love of Jesus that they show to those babies. Uh, it's, our nursery team is incredible. They do an amazing job with those babies. And at Creekside, we place a very high value on our children. Uh, Pastor Terry, has, uh, he said it from up here, he values children's ministry. Uh, we, we put a lot of resources and time into making sure that we're running a good, fun children's ministry for kids. Not just good and fun, but one that's going to be effective for all the kids here. We value that because we know that in Scripture, Jesus places a high value on kids. Jesus, as a matter of fact, he speaks extremely highly of kids in Scripture. So I would love for everyone to stop for a moment and think, what is your first memory of, of Sunday school. Now, you won't, you'll very rarely hear me say the term Sunday school. I say children's ministry. Some kids absolutely hate school, so I don't talk about school, <laughs> but children's ministry. So what is your first memory of children's ministry? Uh, maybe you don't have one. Maybe you, you didn't go to children's ministry, but for some of us, maybe you did, and you were, maybe you were there every Sunday. That's what your family did on Sundays, and you were in the kids' classroom. You grew up doing it. Maybe you were a frequent visitor. You came every now and then. You made it from time to time. Maybe you were a holiday visitor. Christmas and Easter, you were there. Christmas and Easter, Sunday school people. Um, maybe you were the kid that had heel marks getting dug from the parking lot to the classroom. You know, you didn't want to come. You were like, we're going to go praise God. Let's do it now. And you're like, no. You know, it's a, people are looking at us. Praise God. We're happy. Yay. You know, maybe that was you growing up, you know, going to, sun, to Sunday school. We all have a different experience. But think about it. What is your first experience of, of children's ministry? Um, I would hope it's a fond one. I know it's not everyone, but I really hope it would. Now, what I want to focus on today is talk to you guys about why I feel so strongly for children's ministry. Why do I feel the church in general, and I can say this with total confidence, why do I feel that children's ministry is one of, if not the most important ministry we have on campus? I know I'm biased. My shirt says, uh, why do they call me the children's pastor? And on the back it says, because amazing and awesome is not an official title at church. I got it, because I obviously have self-esteem issues, right? <laughs> But I, I love what we do, and I want to share with you guys again just how God has put this on my heart, what I see in children, uh, what Jesus says about children. 
So if you open your Bibles now, Matthew 18, uh, we see uh, the disciples talking to Jesus, and Jesus is uh, preaching and teaching to them. And then we'll jump right in. 18 verse 1. It says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes this child like this in my name welcomes me. <clears throat> Nothing too serious, right? Just, you know, you're not getting in unless you're like this. Nothing, no, no big deal. So that answer, I can guarantee you, blew the disciples away. You see, the disciples would often have these talks, and a few times in Scripture, they ask Jesus, hey, who's going to be at your right hand? Hey, who's going to be the greatest? What do I have to do to, to get this in heaven? And the answer is never what they expect. So this is one of those circumstances where they're kind of trying to get an insight of the hierarchy of things. What is, what's it going to be like when they get into heaven? How do I get there? How do I get to be right with Jesus? Who's going to be the greatest? And imagine the look on their faces when Jesus calls a child up and says, heaven's like these. If you're not like this, you're not making it. It's like, wait, what? A child? One who has no real responsibility. One who hasn't proven themselves in life. I mean, they, they play, you know, we're, we're, they, they don't have a voice in society, especially in Bible times. They don't have that voice in society. They're just a kid. And you're telling me I have to be like this to get into heaven? What does that even mean? So I, I don't, and I know they didn't get it because Jesus, Jesus has to remind them of the next chapter. If you turn to chapter 19, this is great. Have you guys, those of us who, how many, how many of you guys have kids? Let me just see that. How many of you guys have kids? Yeah. You know that when you have kids, you got to repeat things over and over and over and over. And after having two kids of my own now, I have a lot more, you know, respect for my parents, the way they had to tell me things over and over. Mom, dad, love you. Yeah. <laughs> over and over again. Because just, just yesterday, I was cleaning up the house, and Aurora, my five-year-old, has a pile of clothes on the ground. And I said, hey, Aurora, will you take those over and put them, uh, will you go put your dirty clothes in the dirty clothes bin? And she was great. She says, sure, Daddy. She picks them up. My one-year-old is over there dancing around, playing, and she picks them up, takes two steps. She goes, Avery, drops the clothes, and then goes over to Avery. I was like, it's been two seconds. I told you to pick those up two seconds ago, and you were on the right path, and they're gone. But often with kids, you know, we find ourselves doing that all the time. Maybe it's not two seconds. It can be you tell them to do something, and then later on in the day you come back, you got to tell them again because, you know, they didn't remember or maybe they just didn't care, you know, sometimes depending on how old your kids are. But we have to remind our kids a lot. In chapter 19, I, I love the disciples because they remind of, my, of us a lot. He has to remind them again. So he just told them. This is all in the context of the same talk about being like a kid. And he even goes on in, verse eight, or in chapter 18 to say, if you, it's better for you to put a weight around your neck and jump overboard than it is to keep a kid from coming to me. That's how seriously Jesus talks about how much he loves kids. So in the same talk, chapter 19 now, verse 13 says this, Then little children were brought to him to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. I love it. <laughs> Jesus says, it's better to throw yourself overboard than just to hinder a kid. One chapter later, hey, kids, get out of here. Like, wait, what, is, what, what did I just tell you? I just said, it's like the moment I had with Aurora. I just said, pick that up. Jesus is like, I just said, let the kids come to me or jump overboard, and you just pushed them away. It's, we, we do that sometimes. We don't see the importance or the value, especially when it comes to kids. Not all of us, but sometimes we can downplay the significance they have. <clears throat> Now, what I think Jesus is specifically referring to in this context, because I think there's a lot we can learn from kids. I think that uh, Jesus talks about how special they are and how much he loves them because of the childlike faith that they bring to the table. Now, we have a lot to learn from kids. I do believe that. I don't think we should ever look at kids and think, oh, you know, I've been a kid, I've raised kids, I know it all. I don't think we can ever look at a kid and say there's not something I can learn from that child, specifically the faith of a child. See, something I love about children's ministry, when I go into a room, I can say whatever I want, and I keep it to scripture, so don't, don't freak out, but I can say whatever I want to kids, and they'll believe it. I'll go in there, and I'll say, hey, guys, the Bible says this, this, and I'll do a fun story with them, and kids don't leave the room going, that guy's crazy, it's impossible. Nope, doesn't happen. They don't do that. They, uh, you know, when I tell them, I say, guys, Jesus died for you. He forgave you from all your sins. 
And the most amazing thing about this is, is your sins are gone forever. And he rose from the dead to show you that we can go to heaven. They don't look at me and go, no, people die, it's impossible. You're not, they don't come back. Liar. They don't do that to me. They believe it. There is a childlike faith that Jesus talks about in the scripture. 100% undoubting faith. When I tell them these things, it is fact in their hearts. It's not till later in life that when we go through a big tragedy or devastation, things that I know that we've all, everyone in here has gone through something hard. Those are things that start to rock our faith, and we start to have questions, and we start to say, you know, God, where are you in this? Oh, why can't I see you? Why can't I feel this? With little kids, they don't experience all those emotions. They experience the fact that God is there, Jesus is there, and he loves them, and I love the fact that they don't doubt it. Um, an example I have of this, um, I love this. So my daughter, Aurora, went to Mexico with me this year. Um, Stephanie came too. It was the first time they came on the Mexico missions trip. Love this trip. I've gone every year for six or seven years now. And super fun trip. We have meetings talking all about how to get ready for the trip, what to prep, what to expect. One of the things we talk about is how to write your testimony. Um, in Mexico, not everyone will give their testimony, but you may have an opportunity to share with somebody when you're there through whatever circumstance you're doing, whether it's the vacation Bible school, the building the house, just having dinner with friends that we've made in Mexico, you may have an opportunity to share your story. So we go through with everyone how to write it out. What is your testimony? So we're working on it with Aurora in the meeting. And so she's writing it out. We're talking about, you know, did you ask Jesus into your heart? And we're talking about all that stuff. And then at the end, there's a question that says, what struggles do you still have? So Aurora looks at me and she says, Daddy, what's a struggle? I said, so a struggle is, you know, we have Jesus in our hearts. It's something we, we still have a hard time with. Maybe something that we still do that we're not supposed to do. You know, just we, we have a hard time with some things without missing a beat. She looks at me, she goes, Daddy, but I have Jesus. There's no more struggles. I was like, yes, mic drop, boom, we're done. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is the faith of a child right here. And it's my child, so it's a proud daddy moment too. <laughs> but I love it. And in children's ministry here at Creekside, we get to actively live out that verse every single Sunday. Let the children come. They come into that classroom, and we get to give a lesson. We get to play games. We get to eat Cheerios and snacks and watch videos and play, play video games. We have a ton of fun in children's ministry, but it's all done with the intent of putting forth the word of God into these kids' hearts. We get to actively live out this verse of letting the children come. I find that uh, when I take the time uh, when, I, when I'm giving the kids a lesson too, it's great because I feel like as I'm giving a lesson, God will be teaching me something through the same lesson. It's not just the let me teach you and you guys learn. It's, uh, my wife said it the best um, when, we, when we got married and I was doing children's ministry, but when she, first, when she first started getting involved, she said, man, I feel like I learned so much more in children's ministry sometimes. And I was like, it's great. That's good stuff. We get these great stories and God works in all of our hearts and we get to see the kids' eyes just light up when something clicks. I think there's uh, no better feeling, personally, when you're in there in the classroom with a kid, and you're teaching a lesson, and a kid comes up to you and says, says, hey, I want you to know that I asked Jesus into my heart last week after church. It's just like, oh my gosh, yes, it is the greatest feeling. It's like victory. You're like, this is, this is why we do it. Or a kid comes up and says, hey, I saw people getting baptized. I talked to my parents, and parents come up to me too, and they say, my kid wants to get baptized. It's like, hallelujah, this is amazing. This is why we do it. And it can take you from the moment of maybe even feeling like, oh, I don't know if I'm making a big difference. I don't know if I'm really doing it the way I'm supposed to be doing it. Ah, I just don't know. And then a comment like that comes, and you're like, got it. We are, we are just, this is, this is how it's supposed to be. There's no greater feeling than seeing a kid light up because they understand who Jesus is and what he did. It's incredible. Throughout Scripture, we see also that Jesus, so Jesus talks about kids, how much he loves them, and the faith of a child. Uh, we also see all throughout scripture how God chooses and uses kids. That was actually the theme at kids camp this last week. God chooses and uses kids. At young ages, all throughout scripture, God starts using young children to make a difference. We see stories of, <clears throat> excuse me, Josiah, David, Samuel. And in each of these stories, God starts working on these people when they're young children. And they do things that change nations. So we'll look at a few of them so you can see uh, just the impact that they've had. The story of Josiah. So in Josiah, here we have an eight-year-old boy. His dad was not a good king, but he's the king. And his dad dies, and Josiah is now king at eight years old. So he's got the weight of a nation put on his shoulders. Josiah's mom decides she wants to keep raising him in the ways of God. His dad was not in that way. 
but his mom said, I'm going to follow, we're going to raise you in the ways of God. And his mom helped him with some advisors to, to run the kingdom at such a young age. But he started getting all these fundamental, this foundation, foundational facts put in his heart at a young boy, and God starts working in his heart. As he starts to get older, he looks over at Solomon's temple, and Solomon's temple had been ransacked and destroyed pri- in prior years. He says, I want to rebuild this temple. So he sends his scribes in, and they find all these ancient writings, and it's the history of God and his people and the stories and things that we find in scripture in the Old Testament. He starts looking at these things and he says, I want to do this. And he gets his whole nation to start following God because he had that foundation to know that what he read was true. It was not a doubt in his mind. This is fact and we're going to follow God's law. And God used a boy to change a nation. It's an incredible story. Another boy God used, Samuel. Now, Samuel's mom decided that she was going to, she, she made a deal with God. She really wanted a child. She said, if you give me a child, God, I will give this child to you to serve you. And so God honored his end of the deal, and she honored hers. So when Samuel was born, she brought him to the temple, and Eli was <clears throat> the, te- the leader in the temple. And Samuel, from a very, very young age, was told he was going to grow up and learn to serve and be raised in the temple. So one night, Samuel's sleeping, and he hears a voice, Samuel! He wakes up, doesn't think anything of it, goes over to Eli, says, Hey, I'm here, Master. What do you need? And Eli is probably just like, what, is, what time is it? Go to bed. I didn't call you. So Samuel says, okay. He goes to bed. It happens multiple times. And every time Samuel gets up and Eli has the same response, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Eli finally realizes what's happening. Eli says, Samuel, this is God. Next time this happens, answer, speak, God. Your servant is listening. So Samuel does. Goes to bed. He hears the voice again and he answers with that. And God starts pouring into Samuel. Samuel becomes one of the biggest and most outspoken prophets in Israel, and he starts leading the nation before the time of king. God started working on him when he was just a child. Samuel, later in life, found King Solomon, and then after King Solomon, God told Samuel, there's going to be another king, another family will come in, you need to go find the king, and he brings Samuel to David. It's such a young age. David is listed as the youngest, the scrawniest, the not good-looking boy in his family. As a matter of fact, when Samuel went to Jesse and said, let me see all your sons, he didn't even bring David forward. Now, David was off in the field, unimportant. We don't even need to talk about him. He's, he's a shepherd. He's nah, just a kid. But then when Samuel met David, God said, that's going to be the next king. And God started working at David. And it's just as a young man, David killed Goliath, and he was able to start changing a nation. And David would grow up to become one of, the, one of if not the most, greatest kings in Scripture all started when David was just a child. Another man named Naaman, a man of power, had leprosy. Leprosy, incurable, but he had a servant girl, just a little girl, who loved her master. And she decided, there's a prophet named Elisha, and he's been doing some amazing things, so God put it on her heart to talk to Naaman. So she followed this calling. She talks to Naaman. Naaman goes and finds Elisha. Long, long story short, Naaman is healed of leprosy, and he begins to change a nation all because the promptings of a little girl when she answered God's call in her heart. <clears throat> Some of us know the story of Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These kids were abducted when they were just kids. Their nation destroyed, kidnapped. They were put into a situation where their names were changed. Their original names were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Their new names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the new names were in honor of pagan gods of the culture. So their new names literally meant worshiping false gods. They were stripped of their identity. They're told we have to follow this new land. We have to follow these new customs. They all decided that they were not going to disobey and dishonor God. Yes, they were subject to the the new rules. They had to live under this new authority, but they were not going to let God's rules be broken. And they, they told the people, they said, we'll make a deal with you. You let us honor this, our beliefs with God, and I guarantee you we'll be bigger, stronger, and better than everybody else here. And so the, the leaders there, the slave owners, they, they were like, all right, you're on. And sure enough, God honored them. And eventually through their story, some more things happen and they keep honoring God and God elevates them to positions of high authority and power in this land that is not a Christian land, all because they decided to honor God at such a young age. And there, there's more and more stories I could keep going about different kids that, that made a difference. See, all throughout scripture, we learn that God doesn't care how old you are. He doesn't care if you're in the, the nursery, preschool, kindergarten through fifth grade, middle school, high school, <clears throat> parents, grandparents. God does not care how old you are. He can use you right where you are right now to do incredible things. And we have an incredible opportunity to let the kids here know that at such a young age where they don't have 
uh, they don't have those doubts in their faith. They're right there, right now. We can capitalize on building that foundation in their hearts. You see, <clears throat> we don't have to train kids up to, uh, to let them know, hey, someday you're going to do this, someday you're going to do that. We can train them up to say, hey, today we can do this. Today God can work in your heart. Today you can make a change. There's a phrase that um, many people have heard. Have you guys heard the phrase, uh, kids of the church of tomorrow? Has anybody heard that phrase, kids of church of tomorrow? It's, it's a very common phrase in the church setting. Uh, people that are in children's ministry, a lot of them have heard it. Church, you know, we got to talk to kids, they're the church of tomorrow. I hate that phrase. I hate it. And I hate the strong word, but I, I hate it because I believe children are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of right now. They are the church of today. We've got kids in these classrooms right now that God can use. We've got kids, I believe, without a doubt in my heart, there are kids in that classroom that are going to grow up to be pastors. There are kids in those classrooms that are going to grow up to be ministry leaders. There are kids, that, uh, there are kids today that when I, when I first started in that classroom, you know, seven and a half years ago, whenever it was, there were kids that I was like, that kid I cannot get to be quiet. I cannot get to stop talking when I'm talking. I want to throw him out, but I can't because it's, I just can't do that right now. You know, Jesus, keep me back from, from doing something hurtful to this child. Just kidding. I would never do that. But, you know, just the, the rambunctious kids. I would never do that. But some of those kids now are working with me in children's ministry. God has put leadership on their hearts. And it's amazing to see the littlest kids, how God can just work on them and grow them and change them to be leaders now, to be leaders today. There's nothing... <clears throat> There's nothing that says we have to wait till later to give, them, to give them leadership or see what God can do. They can do it all absolutely right now. And, and also, what we, so what we do is important. And I mean, how many times do you get to walk around, take a water balloon, pop it over someone's head and have them laugh randomly, right? Yeah, I do that in kids' ministry, random times. Um, how many times do you get to take a Ziploc bag, have someone sit there, promise they won't get wet and start poking holes in it? Yeah, and ironically, they didn't get wet. I did that. I actually did that on stage here a number of years ago. But we, we get to do some fun stuff. You know, how often do you get to take an egg? So we're doing an egg toss, and there's a kid next to me. His name is Jeshua, and uh, I've known Jeshua for many years. He's in sixth grade now. But we're doing an egg toss, and he's next to me, and we're kind of taunting each other. I'm still in. I'm still in. I said, I'm still in. Then I looked at him and said, I'm out. And I just cracked the egg on his head. It was awesome. <laughs> And then, of course, I had to be on guard because I knew the eggs were going to start to fly my direction at that point, and they did. <laughs> but, but how often do you get to do things like that in the context of proving a point, some point about faith in Scripture, in a story, and knowing that it's going to build a foundation for these kids? There's nothing quite like it. It's tons and tons of fun. I actually wanted to give you guys, um, give you an example of something that I do with the kids. This is something I did at camp. So I was doing a lesson with the kids on uh, things we put into our life. So I decided I'll grab a box of our nursery filet mignon right here. Cheerios, yes. So say this box is our life. Let's say we put things in our life. What are some things we put in that don't matter? I'll ask the kids. And they'll say, okay, you know, things we put in our life that really don't matter. Video games, right? So we put that in our life, but it doesn't matter. Video games, they don't, in the grand scheme of things, they don't matter. What are some of the things we put in our life? Say movies. All right, so we put a movie in there. It's something that's not really going to stick. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not what we want to fill our life totally with. Um, or other things. They started listing off other things. We said, you know, in all reality, in the grand scheme of things that God wants us to do, some of these things can just be considered garbage. And they just come in, and they come out of our lives. But then Jesus comes. And Jesus says, he says, I'm the living water. We want to fill Jesus in our lives. And, of course, the kids go, whoa. Where'd it go? I go, and they say, yeah, there's just a cup. And I go, yeah, but sometimes your life flips upside down, and Jesus still doesn't leave you, right? He stays in. Yeah, that, that reaction right there. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, <laughs> the kids love it. I say, so we see that when Jesus is in our hearts, he's what sticks. We need to put him in our lives, and then we learn that when you don't have life with Jesus, it's just a bit nutty, right? Yeah. Cheesy jokes, I know, but the kids love them. <clears throat> So we, we get to have fun. I mean, I absolutely love it when you tell a story like that. And again, like I said, you see the light bulb go off. You see the kid get it. And it's a great, great feeling. <clears throat> now, I believe it's so important that we can't wait to invest everything we have into our kids. Uh, statistically speaking, uh, numbers are scary, as a matter of fact, when it comes to when children and people receive Christ. 
Um, before I get into that, actually, there's a video that, that really covers a lot of it. So I want everyone to go ahead and check this out. Those numbers are scary, aren't they? Less, so I'll recap a few of them. Less than 6% receive Jesus as their Savior after 12 years old. By 9, their moral foundation is set. By 13, they are considered almost set in their beliefs and harder to reach. That's not to say people don't come to Christ after they're a child. There, I'm sure there are many of us in here, maybe you came to Christ as a child, maybe you came after. So it's not to say that you can't come to Christ after. It's just harder. We have such a small window, just those first 12 years, to really get that foundation in their hearts of this is what Scripture says about how much Jesus loves you, what he's done for you. Because, man, then they're going to go into middle school and high school, which statistically, again speaking, can be the hardest years of someone's life. When their life is rocked with different viewpoints, different challenges, different beliefs start flooding into their world, and they have to decide, what am I going to follow? What am I going to choose? So if we've given them a strong foundation, we can hope that when they get to those points, they can have that strength in Christ to keep going through it. But man, it's too important to say, let's do it later, or let's not put everything we have into it now, because these are lives at stake. These, this is people's relationship with Christ at stake. It's too big of a deal to let it go. It puts things in a whole new perspective. The video had this verse at the end, Proverbs 22, 6, start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. <clears throat> Scripture says it the best right there. And sometimes we put off uh, how much kids absorb. And, you know, we'll have a conversation, and maybe it's not the best conversation for kids to be hearing. And we forget how much they're actually hearing about it. Or we have a movie on, and a kid walks in, and they, they start absorbing things in the movie. Or the music we're listening to, they're absorbing the, the lyrics that maybe we're not even hearing, the lyrics to these songs we're listening to. They're absorbing all these things. They see the choices we make. They see the way that we talk to each other, to our spouses. Children absorb these things. And if we're not taking the time to make sure we're also letting them absorb the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think we're missing a mark. We're missing the most important mark in their lives. Because when they go through those hard times, we want them to have that foundation. We want them to have that strength and trust in Jesus. So, so now what? I mean, you, you've, you've, I've told you how much I, I love children's ministry, how much I have fun in there, and how important I think it is. Um, but what do we do with all this information now? So I thought I'd, I'd share with some of you. Some of you are involved in children's ministry. I have an absolutely incredible team working with kids. The, I mean, the Sea Games team, everyone that has a part in children's ministry, I love and appreciate every one of them. They put their heart and soul into this. And even the person that told me they're not coming back, they will, because I know they love kids too. <clears throat> you know who I'm talking about because you're in here. <laughs> so, so now what? What do we do with all this information? Now, I believe we have a huge harvest field right here in Martinez, one of the biggest harvest fields for Creekside. 
Las Suntas Elementary, Morella Park Elementary, Hidden Valley, John Sweat, John Muir, uh, Martinez Junior High, Alhambra High School, Vicente. We have a harvest field that is ripe to be in. And what I love about what God has opened up the doors for us to Creekside to do is a lot of people would have said this is impossible. I get to teach the Bible in two of our elementary schools. It is the coolest thing. Morello Park on Tuesdays and Las Juntas on Wednesdays. I get to go after school and I run a club and I get to have like a mini Sunday morning. We sing songs, we play games, I open up scripture, we pass out Bible verses. It's incredible. Who'd have thought that we could get into the public school and teach Jesus, right? And now I'm in two of them. It's incredible. Thank you. It, at Morello Park, I have upwards of 20 kids coming to this after-school club. And at Las Juntas, at the end of last, the last club I did at Las Juntas, I had close to 50 kids in that club. It was amazing. And only a few of them are Creeksiders. I get to reach kids that don't come to this church. It's incredible. And I'll, I'll ask the kids uh, on that, because I'm not trying to steal kids from other churches at all. If they're at a church, I want them to thrive in their church. But I'll ask kids, how many of you guys don't go to a church? And the number of hands that go up or, or high, and I'm so excited. I'm like, yes, I've got some prime harvest right here. We get to pour into these kids, and, and maybe I can get them to come to my church, or if they're sitting next to one of their friends, talk to your friend and go to their church. Just get involved. Let Jesus talk to your heart. It's incredible that, you know, <laughs> Jesus has left the building. He's gone into the schools, and it is fun. Every Wednesday night here on campus, we have two uh, programs for elementary school kids. We have Sparkle for all the girls. Uh, Trina Riley actually started Sparkle uh, way back uh, before I was actually even hired for the first time here at Creekside, she started Sparkle, a night where girls started coming and journaling and crafting and just having fun, having building relationships with each other and talking about God. And so then when I got hired, I saw what Trina was doing, and I was like, all right, I've got to get something for the boys. I definitely can't call it Sparkle. This isn't going to fly for, for anything. <clears throat> and so we, we came up with the name Unleashed. And I have an awesome Unleashed team. And we meet every Wednesday with these boys, and we play games, and the kids come. And again, it's not, a lot of the kids that come are not always kids that even come to Creekside on a Sunday morning. They're kids that maybe came to school, a school club, and they heard that we're doing something on Wednesdays that's tons of fun. And so then they came to the, the after school, or the, the Wednesday night thing here, Sparkling Unleashed. It's, it's a fun, fun group. We use that night a lot to have people bring friends. We tell kids, bring friends. We're going to be eating weird foods. We're going to be, I, I did a lesson with a blender where I blended a bunch of weird things together. And the kids, there was a point behind it. I'll, you know, I'll go into it another day. But see who would taste it. And some of the kids did. And it, it, they got to go to school and tell their friends at the church, we did this. It, it was, it's fun stuff. It's a prime harvest field and a great opportunity, a stepping stone to get kids introduced to Jesus if they don't have that introduction already. Uh, this past summer, we had sports camps. We had a week of soccer and a week of baseball. Now, uh, when I, I got in, I, this, God put this on my heart one day. I was in Las Juntas, and I saw a flyer for a sports camp on their table. And I was like, oh, that seemed really cool. And it said, um, football camp, four days a week for one week, 150 bucks. And I was like, oh, that looks like I can't do it. <laughs> I, I couldn't sign my kid up for it right now. I was like, I, I don't know. If, and especially at Las Juntas, which is a, typically a lower-income uh, school, I said, I don't know if a lot of kids could even afford this. So, so I decided, all right, let's do something. Now, I didn't do it on the same week as that one because I'm not in the business of, you know, taking kids out of other things. But, but I said, let's, let's do a sports camp. And so we did, we did two of them, and we charged 10 bucks a kid. We said, we're going to do four days a week, three hour, or nine to noon, uh, 10 bucks a kid just to cover water, snacks, uh, supplies, you know, need to buy some sports supplies and stuff. We're just going to have fun with the kids. I had a teacher come up to me in tears holding the flyer saying, this is the coolest thing because so many kids can't do all the other stuff around here. Can I sponsor kids to go to your sports camp? I was like, yes. A, a school is going to sponsor kids to come to the church. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is good stuff. I like it. And we had an awesome time. I had uh, a lot of the middle schoolers and high schoolers, because it was the summer, they came, and uh, some of them, one of them said, I don't know how to play soccer at all, but he was out there playing soccer with the kids, and we're just having fun. Another one said, I've never, I don't know how to throw baseballs, but we're out there teaching kids, throwing baseballs, playing baseball. We're, we're having just a great time. And the ministry aspect of it, I'm, I'm hoping that as I go, because I'm not preaching to the kids at this event, I'm just thinking, what's a way we can reach kids? What's a way we can introduce them to this place? Let them know that we're here. And so I decided for our actions, I said, let's, we're not going to sit them all down and start spouting off verses. I didn't advertise that. I'd probably get some angry parents if I did. But we're going to show them the love of Jesus through our actions. Everything we do, everything we say is going to be through the love of Jesus. We're not going to fight. We're not going to argue. We're going to have a fun time with these kids so they will know that we are here. We love them and we want to have fun with them. 
at the end of the week, I had a whole bunch of baseball gloves. So after the first day, tons of kids showed up, and a bunch of them didn't have a baseball glove for the baseball camp. So I was like, all right. I ran to play it against sports, bought a whole bunch of used baseball gloves, just tons of them. It's like every kid's got to have a glove to play. So at the end of the day, you know, the kids would come, they'd take a glove, they'd put it back in the bag when they left. On the last day, kids would come up, and um, I said, just keep the glove, just, you know, keep it. And a dad, who I'd never met before, other than him just dropping off his, his son to the sports camp, said, wait, I can't keep the glove, I didn't pay for it. I said, no, it's, it's all good, keep the glove. He, he had a fun time, he was playing, let him keep the glove, he can keep playing now. And I could see like the, the glimmer of you know, water building up in this dad's eyes. He was like, oh my gosh, that is so thoughtful and grateful of you. And in my mind, in my mind I'm thinking it's not a big deal. It was a $15 glove from Play It Again Sports. <laughs> Let's just take the glove. And, and the dad was like, he was like, thank you so much, this means so much to me and it's gonna mean something to him. And I was like, wow, that is an example of just the love of God pouring out on this family. A baseball glove of all things, at a church, giving a kid the chance to go play games. And so I start thinking, man, how can we expand this for this next year? And I know next year um, I want to do um, a, a flag football camp as well. I want to, you know, keep capitalizing on, man, this is, this is fun ministry. Do we get to pour into these kids through just having fun? Um, now, I mentioned Sea Games earlier. So if you haven't been a part of Sea Games, you've got to try it. It's so fun. We come, like I said, um, Pastor Steve was a children's pastor before I was here. And he started Sea Games. And I don't remember what he, I remember when he started, it was, it was kind of low. You know, we would have 30, 40, 50 kids come. And then I remember when we broke 100. You know, we had this big celebration here at the church. Like, we broke 100 kids. That is so cool. And um, he, he started, you know, going up to the 125, 130, 140 mark at Sea Games. And then he left to become the pastor at Bay Point. And then I came in as a children's pastor here. And in the interim, there was probably a year and a half or so, maybe two years where there wasn't a Sea Games. It was something that just kind of hadn't happened in a while. So I decided I'm bringing this back. I'm bringing in Sea Games. We've got to do this. It was one of the most fun things I remember doing for the kids here. So I started advertising, got the flyers out in the school. Sea Games is back. I did a big back by popular demand campaign. We're doing this again. I prepped for like 150 kids. I was like, we have bounce houses everywhere. I had supplies pouring out the windows. Like, we're, this is going to be a great night. I think we had 60 kids. I was so deflated, just, just so bummed. I remember uh, giving the expense report to Pastor Terry, and it's never about the money. Sea Games has never, ever been about the money. Um, my goal was always, I got to break even. You know, what can I do to have a, a ridiculously fun night and break even so it's not a huge expense for the church? But I remember giving him a report going, it was an expense. Oh, gosh, it was bad. And, and he looked at it, and he goes, I don't care. He goes, he goes it's, it's all good. We'll keep trying at it. You know, we'll, we'll keep, we got to build this thing back up, so just, just keep at it. He didn't care that it was an expense. It wasn't an issue. It wasn't a big deal. So we kept rolling with Sea Games. Said, all right, we're going to do four a year. And now the most we've ever had, I think, was 298 kids on campus at a Sea Games. It's awesome. <laughs> and, and like I said, I leave that night pumped and juiced. I give the kids a little thing. They, they all get wristbands. I say, if I see you on a Sunday morning, because it's on a Friday night typically on a Sea Games, if I see you on a Sunday, come back and see me. I'll have a prize for you. Just something to try and get them back on campus. One of the greatest Sea Games stories, though, I think I've ever experienced is aside from having all the kids, this kid that I'd never seen before, he runs up to me. He goes, this is a church? <laughs> I, said, I said, yes, yes, this is a church. He goes, I didn't know church could be fun. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's what we're doing. We're having fun. And we had so much fun with this kid. He comes here now. His whole family comes here now. It's awesome. I've seen kids that go from the school clubs that I do, then they check out a Wednesday night, then they check out Sea Games or any combination of those three, and suddenly, I see a whole new family coming to church on a Sunday because of the impact they've, had, they've seen in the school or on a Wednesday night. My kid just has so much fun coming here, and I've seen a change in their life. I just wanted to see what they're all about. And we have families that have started that, and now they're members of the church. They're here. We are, we are hitting our harvest fields, and it is incredible to see God working in Creekside and in the schools. <clears throat> One of my, uh, another story about making an impact. Now, I debated whether or not I was going to show this video because uh, it gets a good point across, but at the same time, it's first service needed tissue, <laughs> just to say. But, but uh, it, it gets the point across of how important what we can do for kids is. Um, some of you may be thinking, I don't know if I could bring anything to the table when it comes to a kid. I haven't done children's ministry because I, I just don't know if I could make an impact. But, um, but every one of us, I believe, can make an impact. So go ahead and uh, check this out. I was teaching a Sunday school class. The lesson was about how kids could trust Jesus with their cares and burdens. 
In the activity, they wrote down their burdens on sheets of paper, folded them into planes, and flew them to Jesus. In my class were three rowdy boys. I don't know what they wrote on their papers, if anything. The class was fun, but I had no idea if the point was getting across. Until two years later, when the mother of one of those boys died. Who would have thought a simple paper airplane would help this young boy remember that he could trust Jesus with anything? with everything. Never doubt that what you're doing matters. I'm an emotional goober. I tear up every time. I've seen that video so many times. But never doubt what you do, what you can bring to the table can have the biggest impact on any child in there. You may not even know it until, in that video he said years later, he didn't know that that paper airplane, simple little paper airplane with a prayer on it, was going to mean something to that kid, but it did. We have the same opportunity here. With, no, with the things that we do in classrooms, we can have the biggest impact that can change a kid's life for the kingdom of heaven, and they can do incredible things based on the foundation that's laid for Jesus. One of my, um, I, I got to experience a story like that firsthand. Nothing, nothing that sad. I'm not going to do another sad one. <laughs> but but um, on the Mexico trip, um, look up here, there's a picture of a kid named David. So I put the story on Facebook, so some of you may know it, but this is David. So uh, the Mexico missions trip, my first one, I think it was six or seven years ago, we're doing soccer in, the, in a, a court in Mexico. Big language barrier. I, um, of all sports to go out and play, soccer is not my favorite sport. I, I avoid it mostly. But in Mexico, it's tons of fun. You get five-year-olds you know, doing circles around you. It's, it's so much fun playing soccer there. And so years ago, we're playing soccer. I'm this big old gringo on the soccer court, a bunch of all these little kids, and I do a blatant handball. I mean, the ball's going to go over my head. I jump up and grab it. And this boy comes up to me. He goes, mano, Spanish for hand. I said, no mano. Obviously, I'm lying because I blatantly hit it. He goes, si mano, no mano, si mano, no mano. We're going back and forth. Eventually, I put my arms in my shirt, and I run around going, no mano, just playing playing soccer with my, my sleeves flapping around, and we just, we had the time of our life, so he started calling me Simano. Like, the rest of the days we were there, we'd come back, he'd go, Simano, and we'd play soccer. So, fast forward, and then he would come to VBS, and, you know, we'd, we'd do our lesson stuff with him. The next year, we go to the same neighborhood, I haven't seen or communicated with this kid in a year, but we go on the soccer court, and the kid comes up to me, and he goes, Simano? I was like, no, Mano! Put my arm in my shirt, and we start running around again, and had the time, just ton, tons of fun with David. Years go by. I think four more years go by. We haven't gone to this neighborhood now in a number of years. And we were there this year for the missions trip. So we go back there. And um, I've told people the story about, you know, Simano and, and David before, but I hadn't seen him in a number of years now. So we go back to play soccer. I think it was day two or three of playing soccer. I hear this, like, investigative voice. Simano? I turn around, and it's David. I go, no mano? He goes, si mano! And I put my arms in and ran around. No, no. And so I had so much fun. I was like, wow, years go by, and we're having an impact on this kid. And I absolutely love it because I know that, my, my prayer is, I know that when he saw me, he didn't just see a big gringo who's bad at soccer. I know he was seeing what we were trying to pour out. We had a whole team of people doing VBS, and I know he was seeing the love of Jesus in those moments, and that's what was making these things stick. And so on our last day there, I got one of our soccer balls, and I, I painted si mano on the soccer ball, and I gave it to him. And um, it's just a fun picture I got to take with him. And, man, I hope I see him again this next year. Because um, I, I truly believe God's going to do amazing things in David's heart because he's someone that we've, seed the, we've seen those seeds planted. He comes and he participates. And he even, um, on the last day, the, the community where we built was real close to the park. So he came back to the build site with us and just hung out and played. He just wanted to be around the group. And th those are examples of what we do matters. We have a huge, huge impact on kids and I would love to see 
I know God's blowing the doors off of children's ministry here. I know things are happening. The fact that we're out in the schools and schools and the people that are coming here, I know we're doing amazing things. And I can't wait to see what God's going to keep doing. All that to say, I know that children's ministry here at Creekside is on the move. The question is, who's going to move with me? Who's going to come in and, and jump on the team? Now, <clears throat> I hope that someday it'd be really, really cool if those same soccer teams and sports stuff that, that I've talked with that I've seen. One of, my biggest, one of my biggest enemies in children's ministry, I say, is, is sports for the sake of sports happen on Sundays. And often I won't see kids because they're like, oh, we had a sports game. I say, man, I have this dream of sports canceling on Sundays because all their kids are at Creekside. Yeah, they, they say, oh, we can't, we can't play today. We've got to postpone. All of our kids are at church. This is crazy. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> That'd be cool to have that kind of impact. We already have, every now and then I'll get a phone call from the school on how can we get involved. How can, hey, can you help the schools do this? Can the school be a part of this? And that, that's a huge blessing right there to know that we're that connected with the schools, that we're working with them on different things. The school and the church working together, people would have said that's impossible, but we're doing it. Maybe you have, if you've ever had that little nudge in your heart, maybe like, how can, I, how can I get involved with the kids? Maybe you're a parent who drops off their kids every Sunday and comes in here and you're not serving. But I know Pastor Terry puts a huge call to serve at Creekside. He says, man, if you're not plugged in in some way, shape, or form, don't be just a Sunday morning attender. Get involved. Get involved in one of the teams. Michael Zakarian, uh, Pastor Michael talked about the greeting team and the ushers and greeters and, and first, the first impressions team. If you feel called to, to say hi and welcome someone, man, sign up and talk to, uh, put it on your connection card so we can get a hold of you and talk to you about joining the first impressions team. But if you've ever walked by these classrooms and you see the kids in there and you think, man, that looks like fun, or maybe I do have something to offer, don't ever think that you don't have something to offer to a kid. I think everyone in here has something we can offer, something, a way that we can connect with these kids and really help build that foundation, how we can help continue to let this machine just blow out the doors on this place. I have a great team that's part of there now. Um, I, I know I'm biased, and I love children's ministry, and I can honestly say it's the best ministry on campus. I love the kids. I love what we do here. Again, I've said it before, nursery team's amazing, preschool team, kindergarten through third, fourth, and fifth. We've got an awesome team, and I would love to expand that team and have people jump on. So if you put on your connection card or shoot me an email, and I would love to take you out to coffee or lunch or just find out what's your schedule. Let's talk about kids. How can we be a part of it? How can we continue to just pour into all the kids here? Because like I said, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. I want to reach these kids today. I want to build in their hearts. I want them to know that today they can make a difference in every kid that walks through those doors. Whether it's their first time, second time, third time, 80th time, we're making an impact. We're going to share the gospel and we're going to have fun with these kids. Amen? And would you all stand with me this morning? <clears throat> So my challenge to you is that don't wait. Don't wait. If you, if you have an inkling on there for any ministry, put it on the card. Put it in the basket. Love to get a hold of you. Find out what's a way this week that you can show the love of Jesus to a child. It may be the only love they see that week. Make sure it's, uh, it's a fun one that's going to show, show Jesus' love. It's going to put that word in their heart. Man, let's prep them for the great things God has planned for them now. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much today for... Uh, for this place, for these people, the fact that we get to come and celebrate and worship with you. And God, I thank you for children's ministry. I thank you for kids, the, the lights that they are, the, the faith that we can see in their eyes. God, the joy they bring. I pray that you utilize us, God, to show your love to kids. You said, let the children come. I pray you use us to live out that verse, God. We let the children come. We teach them your ways. We teach them up so they don't turn away, God. We, we build and pour into their hearts. And just like we pour into their hearts, God, through that all, you pour into our hearts. And you teach us more and more every day. So I pray that you challenge us, God. You give us that, that nudge to serve. And we honor you with, with our words and our, and our actions. We thank you, God. We love you. And all of God's children said... Amen. You guys are loved. Thank you so much for, for coming today. Look forward to talking to anyone about children's ministry.